Hi, and welcome to the Online Performance Podcast, the podcast that aims to help you elevate your online earnings. My name's Jason Mills, and today I've got a fantastic episode lined up. I've got an entrepreneur who has the largest digital real estate portfolio in the UK. He's hailed as one of the greatest SEOs globally. It is, of course, Mr. James Dooley. Welcome to the podcast, James. What an introduction that is, Jason. Yeah, I've bigged you up now, so you need to deliver. <laughs> and it's, it's going to be an interesting one as well, because although I've bigged you up as this kind of SEO superstar, I really yeah. don't want to talk too much about SEO today, and I'm sure it will come up. What, what I really want to kind of get into the nitty-gritty of is, is you as a human being, you as an entrepreneur, and how those two kind of things have, have led you down this path of, of success. So yeah. uh, we're starting off each podcast with the same question, and that question is, what is online success? So to you, what does, the, what, what does online success mean? Online success is, uh, well, I suppose there's different ways of online success. So like it, it probably, it, what, it, what it allows you to do is travel the world. Um, it allows you to have free time. It allows you to work from, like, like I said, any, any place in the world, have free time, and allows you to earn money that you can never think of in your sleep that, like normally I've been brought up that you had the harder you work, the more money that you earn. Or if you want a job done right, do it yourself. With online success, it's completely different. You can set certain things up and during your sleep, you can still be earning money, which then gives you the freedom, which I, I think success is happiness. So then it gives you the freedom to be able to do things anywhere in the world as long as you've got the laptop. Love that answer. And I think that really aligns closely with my definition as well. But it's been really interesting. We've done three or four of these interviews so far, uh, podcast episodes, and everyone's had a slightly different answer. But that's probably the one so far that most aligns with me. I think that idea of having freedom to work from anywhere and to, like you say, make money in your sleep, which is, again, from my background, it's very different to how I was kind of brought up as well. Um, So just let's just backtrack a little bit then. Just give us a bit of an intro into yourself, into what... What is it that's got you to this point? Uh, what you know? What did you do before online marketing? Even so, my background is um, quantity surveying, actual real estate, and uh, project management. So it was to do with generally um, working for a housing organisation that built a lot of houses. One thing led into another, and I started to realise there was massive shortages of people that actually built playgrounds. So in the UK, for every time you build 50 houses, you need a public open space, which is basically a playground. And I quickly started to realise as a quantity surveyor trying to find a playground company, it was difficult back then. This is, God, you're talking 16, 17 years ago now. Um, and obviously it, it just presented an opportunity for to, to say, if I can't find these companies, there's a lot of other people that can't find these companies. So there's a gap in the market. So I always feel like I had a little bit of, well, I always had an entrepreneurial type mindset of trying to find angles for business and for work and for growth. SEO, I didn't even know what SEO was. So it was never, I was never at school thinking I want to be a digital entrepreneur or anything like that. Um, it, I, just, I just knew when I first started the business, I needed a continuous flow of quality inquiries. And, and I just dug deep with how do I get that? And that's kind of how one thing led on to another, just for my own business that built playgrounds and tennis courts and sports pitches. And then I started to realize from there, then I needed that if I could get my clients busier, 
I would become busier myself. So it wasn't just for services that I did, it was for services that my clients did. And the busy that they became, like we would then win more jobs. If there was like a construction company, um, we don't actually do the equipment on playgrounds, we only do the surfacing, because I realized that the majority of the profit's actually in the surfacing. So we would get in the playground equipment companies busier, which then allowed us to put the surface underneath their equipment. And then it just kind of blossomed out and kept growing and growing and growing from there. So I kind of always say that I always dealt with shouldering niches of what complemented my business and then roll on two, three, four years down the line. We then started to make more money from lead generation than we actually did from the construction company that built the, the playgrounds and stuff like that. Um, and then that's when SEO then started to kick off. So we still have that company today. It's called Soft Services Limited in the UK. Builds all the playgrounds. It's grown from, I think it's from like 600,000 to 8 million a year. Um, so it's, an, it's a successful business. We've plugged in what we do with lead generation. And it's, it's still in the same kind of office block. Like we've got the upstairs now for all the soft services and the marketing team, but things just evolved from there. And yeah, we've never looked back. I love that because you you really have got that story of of taking an, an offline business and bringing it into the online world, and then that <clears throat> those online processes that you have now have obviously had massive benefits to to the offline business as well. So that yeah. kind of leads us into my next question, which is: you describe yourself as a, a digital landlord, which yeah. I think for some, for some people listening, that's going to be a new term. What does that mean? Can you just describe it for us? So generally speaking, a landlord is where you've got uh, real estate that you're renting out. So a digital landlord is very similar. It's digital real estate, so websites that we rent out, which some people know in the industry as being rank and rent. So what you've got to do, you've got to get a website, you've got to get it ranking. Those rankings and that traffic are very beneficial to business owners that what, what that ranking are for. You rent the website out then, they might rent it out for two, three, four, five thousand pounds a month, whatever it is that they're happy to pay. And hopefully from there, then they're, they're making 20, 30, 40, 50,000 pounds a month. They're very happy with the rental and we're happy because we've kind of got, a, it's almost like having a client, but we're very results driven. So if we do not rank the website, they do not pay. Um, so it's almost like, it's almost like doing client SEO, but we have to guarantee rankings, if that makes sense, which a lot of SEO agencies will not do because they don't know how to rank. Absolutely. You've just got a few of those websites, haven't you? Yeah, just a few, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> it's uh, 600 plus or something, yeah. We're in so, different, different niches. I think there's 800 and I, I can't remember the exact. I think there's 860 something. I think 862 was last time we lots different websites that the, the clients are paying for as a rental. I think there's actually over 1,500 different websites in total that are generating leads. Um, there's quite a lot that we've built out that didn't work out for one way or another. Like the niche just wasn't the right type of niche that then we put into like a testing pool or we we make money via display ads and stuff like that. That just goes into a completely different department. So what was that transition like when you went from from that offline world to the online world, it sounds like it was probably quite smooth because it sounds to me like there was a bit of an overlap between the two. What what was that like in in reality? If if you've been honest, if I've been honest with you, Jason, I still feel like every single day I'm improving the processes, and this is 15 years on. So like 
when when a lot of people meet me and they say, oh, you've got this fine-tuned business, every single day I, I treat as a school day. Every single day I'm looking to evolve and improve and kind of make things slicker, make things more concise and strip out things that aren't needed and put more things in that are needed. So, yes, it was a, a smooth transition, you could say, to move from building playgrounds to doing lead generation because we needed it for our own website. So for many, for the first few years, yes, it kind of, we just needed it for our own. Yeah. That doesn't mean it wasn't a bumpy ride. Some people like to just think that growth is just like that. It's never linear. It's always up and down, always up and down and stuff like that. And we've, we've failed more times than you can imagine with regards to trying different types of links, trying different silo structures, trying different CMS systems, like we've tried everything and and a lot doesn't work and there's stuff that does work we double down on and it's just then implementing what does work and going right okay this is where we need to spend more money and more time that's really interesting that kind of almost probably answers my next question which is you know you are seen in the world of seo as, as being very very successful and is is that what you put the success down to is it the testing and that willingness to fail or are there, there are other things as well for sure, yeah. I mean, I've got two. I kind of sometimes come back to the same story where I've got two older brothers. Um, this is just for myself personally growing up. And we used to play a lot of sport in the garden. And the two older brothers, because there was two, three years older than me, used to beat me every single time. So I just, this is when I was young. So when I was like four years old, I'd try and play football. I'd get beat. I'd start playing badminton. I'd get beat. I'd start wrestling. I'd get beat. I'd start boxing. I'd get beat. Everything I did because they was older, they'd beat me. But then my dad used to always say, are you going to lie on the floor and cry? Are you going to get back up and go again? And I feel that that resilience that I have is from them early days in my in my life of getting beat by my two older brothers in sport, but getting back up to go again. Roland being 12, 13 years old, where I built up a bit and a little bit bigger, they're still older than me. But at that point, I'm starting to beat them back at certain things. So like, I could be playing football and it could be like I could beat them, they could beat me and stuff like that. But I still had that resilience. So still to, now to this day, I sometimes thrive off losing because then I can get back up and go again, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think too many people are scared. I think too many people do business within the comfort zone. They don't push the boundaries. They're scared of, they're scared of failure. I embrace the failure and, and I feel that that resilience and that kind of mentality that allows me to push the boundaries is what's allowed me to grow to where I am today, allowed me to stay humble because there has been a lot of defeats and a lot of losses along the way and stuff like that, either way I do it. So I know tomorrow and I'll give him up, up an algorithm update can happen tomorrow and wipe out half my size and then I've got to get back up and go again so like where people think yeah you're really successful well yeah now when I sit back and I look at what I've done but sometimes I'm always in a room and I always feel I'm, I'm not the most successful person mm -hmm. in that room I'm always looking at other people going wow that's amazing what they've done and I wish I could learn that little bit and when you, you the introduction was absolutely amazing I don't think I'm anywhere near the best SEO in the world like I, I, I feel like I've got the best SEOs around me and I feel like I've got a great project management system, which is what comes down to what my previous role was with regards to quantity surveying and project management. But I'm not the best technical SEO that there is. I'm not the best link builder that there is. I'm not the best content writer that there is. 
But do you know what? I genuinely think I've got some of the best content writers in the world, some of the best link builders in the world, and some of the best technical SEOs in my team. And if they're not the best, well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and find out who is the best, and I'm going to collaborate with them, and I'm going to try to get them to train my team to become the best. And I'll make it, if they, they do help me, I'll 10 times repay everything that they've done for the training for me to try and elevate them and help them in everything that they've done in their life. And there's so much, so much gold in what you said there, um, particularly around your mentality as well. And that, that, you know, that not having that fear of failure, uh, the resilience, and then that team. So, so you have built this team. So I've got a little uh, surprise for you now. We're going to play a, a clip from a previous podcast. So I just want you to watch this and then we're just going to talk about it a little bit. Okay. The mentor and James by far has been like the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, as much as I don't like to admit that, because <laughs> I, I know he, what he'll do is he'll probably record this snippet and he'll just play it to me. I'm like, what? So I'm the best thing that's ever happened to you. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I, I need to admit it. Like, um, yeah, he, he has, he has definitely changed like how I think, not even when it comes to like SEO, just like how I think when it comes to like life. What do, what does that make you feel looking at that? Cause that's, that's again, a very glowing statement. Do you know that I sent a shiver down my spine? It genuinely did. Like, it, um, I'm proud of hearing that because um, Kaz was a very, very out there kind of guy that kind of, I'm the best and stuff like that. And sometimes, like, I've always tried myself to hustle in silence and let success be the noise. And sometimes I'm trying to rein Kazra back in to be like, Kazra, you're going to be one of the biggest names in the industry without fail. But don't, like, Stay humble, stay, keep your feet on the ground. You will get there. You don't need to get there tomorrow, right? You, he, he has got, he's got the resilience already. He's got the motivation and he's got the drive to be the best, right? He's got the team around him to be the best. Now what he's got to do is leverage and be humble and be proud of people around him that allows him as an individual to have this data that then allows him to go up on stage or to have, let's say, certain debates with people, knowing that he's got this data underneath him to say, well, actually, do you know what? I completely disagree with you, and I'll back it up with X, Y, and Z. And I think that's the most important part with regards to being able to back certain arguments up with data because there's a lot of SEO myths. You'll know yourself, Jason. There's a lot of SEO myths out there that people say things that's completely incorrect, and I think with with a lot of power becomes a lot of responsibility. And Kazu's got hold of a lot of data and a lot of information. And sometimes he's got to make certain that the way he delivers it is delivered in the correct manner. Yeah. So that's sometimes it's trying to rein him back. I'm not trying to rein him back. Like he, he is going to be one of the best that there is out there. He's going to be one of the best mentors that there is out there with regards to SEO. He's still young. I think he still will make some mistakes in business. And sometimes that's where I'm trying to go, like, keep him under my wing a little bit to say, like, right, you, you're going to get there, but just get there in the right way, if you get what I mean. So Yeah, absolutely. Then, so, Am I right in saying that Kazra is a, a partner in some of your businesses now? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, employ, I employed Kazra probably three years ago as a web designer, right? He was just a web designer and, and a coder initially. 
I met him, I don't know if he's told you this story or not, I met him in Liverpool at an SEO meetup, and I think, and he, I think this is, he might have a different exact minute, but I think within seven minutes of meeting him, right, I said, I, the wording was, Kazra, this is what you're going to do tomorrow morning. You're going to drive into your office, you're going to hand your notice in, and next month you're going to come and work for me, right? Within seven minutes of meeting him, right? Because I've seen the drive and the ambition and the entrepreneurial mindset that he had, that I knew that I had the data and the information that I could elevate him to be the, to be one of the best. Because I, I don't want to do what he's doing. Like, he wants to get up on stage and do it. I've always wanted to hustle in silence and kind of just be a family man and just enjoy life, if you get what I mean. So where I knew... I knew what his hunger was and I knew that I could deliver and help him get to where he wanted to be. And the next day he went in, handed his notice and came and, and worked with us. He's, he's, been, he's been great kind of for the first six, 12 months as an employee, built out some frameworks, some systems, improved certain stuff that we had internally. And then he then develops in, into being an entrepreneur. So like within the business being like, why don't we do this and why don't we do that? To then being an entrepreneur where it was like, actually, why don't we do this outside of the business and do this as being a partnership? And then he quickly then started building up um, different kind of products that we had together, different websites that we had together. So he's a partner now in so many different things of what we do. And then from there then he's, he's always wanting to drive and thrive and, and move forward he's always got the mentality that if you don't innovate you're going to evaporate so he's, he's consistently anything that he makes is like duly what can i reinvest this in yeah. make some more money what can i invest this in so he's consistently growing <laughs> his asset value um and yeah he's, he's going to do very well like i'd I, I am nothing without the people around me. I think that's very important. I think that's one of the biggest messages I can deliver to anybody. That to get to where I am today, I, you cannot do it without a team. You need a massive bank of writers, a massive bank of link builders. You need a sales team. And you actually need a hungry internal team that are loyal and trustworthy, that are going to be with you for a long time. And the culture of the business is all to help each other and elevate each other. So how do you keep them hungry? Is it is it this idea of, you know, bringing them in as as a partner, giving them equity? Or is does, the, does there need to be something else? I mean, obviously, there needs to be something else before that. There's, there's obviously things that you see in these people you know what 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 is that is it and and you know do do the people that you bring in as partners do you think they share the same attributes or do they bring something new because we talked then about you know Kazra having this entrepreneurial mindset now very much like yourself do all of your partners need to have that is that an important attribute no, definitely, no? definitely not so there's some great questions within you, you. There's three or four different parts there within the questions of what of what you can do. So to be a good like man manager and to motivate um, people, every single one of us are different. Every single person wants something different from you or from life, right? So there's no one size fits all. There's no like if I make this person a partner of mine and we go 50-50 or we go 75-25 or whatever the split is, is that going to motivate them to be as motivated as, let's say, what I am? No. Like, some people want to work nine till five. And I've got some partners that work nine till five, switch off at five o'clock and switch off at weekends. And they're still brilliant partners, 
But I've got certain people, let's say, like a Kazra. Kazra don't switch off either. Like, Kazra works seven days a week and he'll work 15 hours every single day to get to where he wants to be at, right? But actually, having having plenty of Kazras as partners is not good for my health because I don't want lots of Kazras because, like, I've got the I've got a similar drive to, let's say, like Kazra, where I'm wanting to always develop and improve, even though I don't need to and I don't know why I keep wanting to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's some anything within me that wants to keep developing and, and improving for what like i don't know because they want to say it's for for more freedom and more time i could have all the time in the world and just sit back and not do it so it's maybe not just for that and and I, I, yeah that that's a different question to ask but with regards with regards to this to staff or partners one, you've got, like, I always look at someone face-to-face -face and, I, and I ask them certain questions, and they're always different questions, but I try to work out when the shit hits the fan and when things go wrong, is this person going to roll up his sleeves and help me get out the trenches together and help us both get out, or are they going to lie down and quit? Because if they're going to lie down and quit, I don't want them as a partner. Are these, are these going to have my back? Can I trust this person? Is this person, do I think, going to be loyal? All these questions are going on in my head. Sometimes you might have only met him for half an hour. And sometimes you can get these decisions wrong. So it's like when you do an interview with someone, they might come across really well in the interview, but then they might not be that person yeah. that they say they are in the interview. So then what you then start to do is you start to test the waters. You then start to go, okay, like you might employ them and then you might give them one or two tests tests like little bits of, of okay let's do a jv on this and see how they respond to that doing yeah. that jv and then you might if they do if you if they are really good you might do a second jv and a third jv and a fourth jv with them if they're not very good you just stick to the one jv do you know what i mean so that joint venture might be enough for that person and they're happy with that one joint venture that they might be earning an extra thousand pound a month which gives them enough to go on holiday twice a year and that's what they might think is success to them do you know what i mean we've all got different levels of what yeah. success is so you just got to try and work people out um i feel like now my my role more than anything else is being a cultural architect so like with internally within the business understanding each and every like i, I can't understand every members of staff because we've got too many members of staff but my middle managers that i deal with on a day-to-day -day basis which i think is, is 11 in total I only deal with them 11 and spend majority of my time with them 11. They've got to then with the next kind of, I'm not saying the next tier down, I don't really like using that kind of wording, but they've got to, that for their VAs and for the people that work for them, they've got to keep them motivated. Mm -hmm. And the more motivated, more motivated they keep them, the better that their work is, which then it comes to, to myself. And if they're doing well in there, I, I want them only doing four hours a day. If, if they can do the work within four hours a day, because it means that they're managing their st staff efficiently, who might be doing eight hours a day and getting the work to be done, if you get what I mean. So it's just, it's different horses for courses, so to speak. It's di Everyone's different, trying to weigh up what they want and what makes them tick. Some people, on a football team, you might have some of them that are the best footballers on the team, but might not earn the highest wage, let's say, at Man United, so they're not all driven by money. Some people just want like a longer term contract at the club because they love the club. Do you know what I mean? Like I've got certain people that would work for me now that are earning a lot of money and they would work for me at half 
the money yeah. that they earn. And I know that they <laughs> would, right? But I want to be the one that elevates them. I want to try to make majority, no, all, nearly all of my middle managers, I want to make every single one of them to be millionaires. Even if they don't want it, I want to get them to be in every single one of them to be millionaires. And that's like a personal drive for me. So even though sometimes they might not be motivated, I'm trying to somehow motivate me into managing their staff, which then elevates them even more, if that makes sense. So I'm trying to do it in different ways. Um, there's people like Mad Singer, that's a great man management, and you learn a lot of little things from him to how to how to try to motivate someone that's not very motivated and stuff yeah. like that. And there's all different ways. You can dangle a carrot. Some people you need to hit with, obviously not not actually hit with a whip, but you say you dangle the carrot or you give them a whip and stuff like that. And it's just about knowing the people that work with you and knowing the, what they're going through in their own personal lives and what makes them tick. I imagine the hiring process is so important then. Do you, do you still, are you still a key part of that hiring process? Do you still do that yourself or is that something that cascades down those kind of tiers? No, I don't do any hiring anymore. <clears throat> Apart from if they're going to be like um, a, a business partner of mine. So mm. I might look at someone who's quite high level, let's say yourself, where we've been to certain uh, masterminds together. Yes. And I might go, do you know what? I love the drive of what Jason's got to bring. And then I might hit you up and be like, let's do this together or let's do that together. You're absolutely brilliant in this field here. And I feel I can bring this to the table. And that one plus one equals three together. The objects that merge together is far greater than the one plus one equals two. So I'll try to find places or people and go like, this is who I need in my life. This is my weakness. And this is who I need in my life to make me a better person. So I'm more business partners now than actual yeah. staff. My staff um, are, are pretty much now all my partners. They're not really my staff anymore. And they then, for them to evolve and for them to grow, they've got to decide on who they want to hire because they're dealing with them on the day-by-day basis. Because if I'm hiring for them, they can just have the excuse, well, you hired them. Where if, if they're hiring for themselves, and it doesn't work, that's fine. Get rid of them if you don't think they're good enough. But don't you can't blame anybody but yourself because you was the one that hired them and trained them. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I get involved in the way that they do business and the way that they train their staff, they're not doing it their way. And, it, and if they're trying to do it my way and they're not as motivated or like, like I'd like to think that with, and I, and I think that pretty much all my business partners would say this, is that, I've got an energy about myself. I'm very trustworthy and very loyal. I'm a family man. I do everything with honest trust and integrity. That that seeps out and people understand that that's who I am. Certain others, they might not pe the people that they employ might not see that in their direct line manager. So they've got to they might have to work on different ways for my management than the way I would do it, if you get what I mean. Sometimes I'm very straight talking and I say it as it is. Some of these others might not do it that way. And I can't say you have to do it this way because that's not their style. So day-to-day -day recruitment now is done by whoever's their direct line manager. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I used to work with a head teacher who had that exact uh, philosophy with regards to hiring staff as well. And he, he lived and swore by it. <clears throat> um, yeah. And I'm still waiting for that call, by the way. <laughs> right, we're going to change. We're going to change tact a little bit now. Uh, I want to get into the... 
I, I knew of James Dooley probably three or four years ago. It was almost like this, the myth, the legend, James Dooley, yeah. uh, you know, and, and probably even uh, longer ago than that. But it's only really in the last maybe, I don't know, six to 12 months that I feel like you've started going on podcasts, you've got a little bit more involved with social media. Um, now, obviously, you built this digital empire kind of in the shadows or at least not in the public spotlight. So yeah. do, do you think that doing that has contributed towards your achievement and then the second part of the question is, why come out into the spotlight now? So the spotlight's come along because um, the, the truth of the matter is, like, one, so there's various reasons why. One is AI. So I worry that if I don't have personality that um, behind certain AI, let's say, websites, I feel like personal branding is becoming more and more, more important than ever. So that's one part. The second part is we had certain domains that we was contemplating on selling and one random investor that was coming to buy the site says, we can't buy the site from you because we don't know who you are. You won't, you could not be behind this website and thought that I, it was me selling on behalf of somebody else because we're like, we don't know you as an individual online and we know all the best SEOs in the world. And I'm like, mm, maybe you don't. I'm not saying I'm the best SEO in the world, but I'm like, who you think is the best SEOs in the world and who are up on stage are not the best SEOs in the world, right? There's a lot of people on the underground that Absolutely. are earning way more even than what I'm earning. Do you know what I mean? They're doing 10 million plus a month in profits over various niches in lots of different jurisdictions in different countries. And I'm like, Trust me, you think you're the best in the world and nowhere near the best in the world. So, But then it got me then to think that if ever I did want to sell certain assets, so let's say I had a business partner and they was really eager to sell to get a nice villa abroad or whatever they wanted to sell for. And I was like, all right, I'll sell with you. Let's do it. And I was attached to it and they says, mm, sorry, we can't because you build PBNs. I'm like, I don't build PBNs. Well, this video back, 2004 said that you do PBNs. Do you know what I mean? Where I feel like, do you know what? I need to deliver who I am online in my own messaging. So people, if people want to know who I am, they can see who I am and see that I'm a, I'm a genuine person. But not only that as well for sometimes for investment opportunities, like I'm now at a point where I'm not having to deal day to day on certain tasks and I'm wanting to get my name out there a little bit to other very influential, high-level SEOs that might not be good at what I'm good at. So they might be very, very, very good at something that is my weakness. And I might to say, I might be able to go, I can plug in what I'm good at, which is project management, which is staff, and get and get certain things set up for your business, and we could treble your business. Are you interested? And and I know that I'm I, I know that if it's the right business for me, I know I can bring a lot of value. And I want to make certain that these people that might want to do business with me can see what value I can bring. So sometimes it's good to have these podcasts and conversations so people know who I am, what I'm about. And and sometimes I might decline work and it's not it's nothing against the, the individual person. It might just be the niche or it could be I don't think that's on an upward trajectory of it being a trend that's worth me getting into, I apologize. And 
I'm not a bad person. <laughs> I just don't want to do that niche. So do you think it was helpful to, as you were growing and scaling, do you think it was helpful to do it without that public spotlight? Because one of the things that is coming up a lot on these podcasts is this idea of growing a personal brand. But as you know, and I very well know, being out there, putting yourself out in the spotlight, attending these interviews, you know, it takes up a good chunk of your time. So do you think it was helpful to like, just from a focus point of view to do it kind of in the shadows and, and, you know, to someone that's listening and thinking, I want to start a personal brand, but I also want to build my business online. Is that a good strategy? I'd say no, it's not a good strategy. I think I'm, I'm in a fortunate position now where I've got a lot of spare time, which allows me to do these podcasts. I've got a lot of spare time that allows me to do the webinars and stuff like that. But then when I was like hustling and grinding and building, like, I couldn't have done these talks. There's no chance because it would have took me like two hours of my day out of my day to come and do this podcast with yourself. I don't get me wrong, I love speaking to you, Jason, and stuff like that, but that's two hours out of my day yeah, that cool. I could have been instructing more websites to be built. Like literally that's we yeah. In back in our back in our day, we was building 30 to 40 websites out a day. Right. So if if I wasn't there for two hours, that could have been five new websites that might have not have opened the door for some of the opportunities now that what we've got. So that wasn't that wasn't doing it all the time, but they're like certain sub like certain sub websites that we do just for test. Like we, we used to build sites out just to test search volume. And then, then with, from that then for, from 10 websites and just testing search volume and seeing what the impressions are and stuff. Cause HREVs and SEMRAS come back with so many zero search volume keywords yeah. that might get two, three, four thousand hits a month. That it allowed us to do our keyword research without using Google AdWords, without using these third party tools. We did our own method of doing it where we'd build certain sites out. They might be like um, 10, 20 page sites, get the data and go, wow, this is better than this. Let's now build the site out on, on this. And we'd 301 them back to that domain and stuff like that. Um, so we, there was a lot of testing back then of what we was doing. There was a lot of myths. I didn't want to go and I didn't want to really go and get on podcasts and say things that was going against the grain of the what these SEO gurus yeah. were saying. Because do you know what? I would have spent all my time arguing, yeah. and I'm like, I don't want to argue. I just want to do what's working in today's algorithm. And um, what people was teaching wasn't the best strategies of what was working. So what do I do? Sit down all day in Facebook groups, educating people what does work. And they go, well, I listened to this Neil Patel podcast and he told me to do this. <laughs> I'm like, well, go and do that then if you want to. But then I then have to then start proving, proving myself to them. And I'm like, I don't need to prove myself to anyone. What I've just got to do is look after my friends, my staff and my family, everybody else. At, at that time, I didn't care about. I just wanted to learn, develop, look after my friends, my family, and, and my staff, and build up an empire. And then that's probably gone. And yeah, and then that, that's basically it. It was just then we allowed to do it in a lot of different industries. We then we then learned from one industry to the next. There's a lot of different nuances. We did it in display ads. We did it in affiliate. We did it in lead generation. So many people just think we only do lead generation and rank and rent. Like we're in some of the toughest niches that there is with regards to casino and slots and sports betting. We do all that as well, but people just like talking about the rank and rent side of things of what we do. Okay, let's segue now into 
more James Dooley the person then. <clears throat> and I want to get into this, into your mindset, into your psyche, and kind of you touched on it earlier. What keeps you going? What is it that? Because you don't need to keep going, but it's that inner kind of drive and that inner fire that keeps you going. So we're going to delve into some of that. I, I looked at, at one of your websites, and uh, I think it was the Fat Rank website, and you said, "I want to do things I love with people I love, doing it in a way to be proud of." And you also said the key is doing all this, and you mentioned this already today, with trust, honesty, and integrity. So my question is, how important is that to you above all else? And is that something that you now have as a luxury because you've got the money, or is that something that you always had? Did You know, was that trust, honesty, integrity, and doing the things that you love with people that you love, has that always been there? So the first answer is no, it's not always been there. And it's not that I didn't do things with trust and honesty and stuff like that, but I'll, I'll explain to you why that vision statement was made and then I'll work backwards with, like, some of the stuff that's, like, doing things that I love, some of the niches that I'm in, like carpet cleaning. I can't say that I love carpet cleaning. <laughs> you know I mean? I'm not like a freak that goes, oh, there's a bit of red wine on the carpet here. I love that. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it's not – I didn't – I'm not in all the niches that I love and that's it. And it's all – this is my hobby – and, and I really like talk blogging about this. No, it's some something like we're in the funeral niche. I don't, I, I don't, I don't like funerals. Believe it or not, like no, it's not a niche that I like. I don't like insurance. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not really things that I love. But what was important for me was about seven years ago. I made that vision statement, and the vision statement was made right. And the main part of it was. I had certain managing directors and certain owners of businesses that couldn't sleep at night that was renting my websites and they was worried because they'd gone from having two vans on the road to having over 20 vans on the road and having 65 members of staff, installers on the road working. And at any point, I could have turned them leads off. At any point, I could have turned the leads off. So they, and they knew that and they got himself in a position where they'd ring me up and say, James, I have built my business on quicksand. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, we are 100% reliant on your leads. Tomorrow you could double the price and we'd not be able to afford it or we'd have to pay it or even worse, a competitor comes along and says, we'll pay you 10% more and we're paying 20 grand and a competitor comes in, we'll pay you 25 grand or 22 grand or whatever it is. And you go, okay, see ya. And I go and then go down the road and they give it to competitor. And then he says, and then I've got to now go and get rid of 65 members of staff. And when I sat down in the meeting, I was like, yeah, you're right. And, and then at that point, I'm like, what do I say to that? I can, I can, I can do that. Like, you're right. I'm not going to do that. But then he's like, yeah, but you say you're not going to, but the bigger you become, sometimes you're not dealing with these websites. And then at that point, it was like an epiphany of being like, wow, you're right. I need to make certain that my business partners follow in the same vision statement that I have. And, and that's when then I needed to create a vision. I never had a vision statement because I, ne I never knew that I needed one. But then what it became very apparent was every partner that I have, I need to make certain understands that 
I need to do things the right way with honest trust and integrity that yes, we could make more money by giving it to a competitor, but it's not the right thing to do. If you've built out a website or a set of websites with a company and you've built that up with them along the way, yes, I own the website, but you've got to have some integrity in keeping them as yeah. being the client because it's just not right that 65 families could be affected by one, yeah. one rash decision to turn them off. And it was, that was the reason why the vision statement was created because with a lot of with a lot of power becomes a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Now I knew that I wouldn't do it, but I needed to make certain that people around me wouldn't do it as well. Because some of these people aren't in a, a as fortunate position as where I'm at now in my career. Um, let's say having like a nice holiday home, having a nice house, all paid for and stuff like that. I don't need to make those rash decisions. Those might have a mortgage and those might want to make more money and go, it's a good business decision to turn them off. But sometimes it's not the right decision. So that's where that came from. But to say, to do the things I love was more doing things with my partners and yeah. being able to travel the world with <laughs> my partners and do things with people that I enjoy doing it with. So sometimes if I, I've had one or two business partners along the years with We've gone our separate ways, still on good terms. I just didn't like being around them. They was they was very good at business, but they were just moaning every day. So that's where it's part of it. It's like doing this, the things I love with the people I love. It means traveling the world with people that I enjoy traveling the world with. If they're not my family, I want to make sure my business partners, I can have fun with them and have a laugh with them and, and it's fun. I don't need to do it with someone that's very negative. And that's kind of where that vision statement was was written very carefully by myself and then presented online. So you've probably seen more successful and maybe unsuccessful entrepreneurs than a lot of people because, you know, you, you know a lot of people, you work, you've got a lot of partnerships and, you know, just – and I know you network and you travel around and you go to all these events. Yeah. So are there any kind of commonalities that you've seen amongst the successful entrepreneurs? Is, you know, what is it that, that you think people need? So there'll be people listening to this podcast who are, you know, really inspired by your story, really wanting to start something. But is it for everyone? You know, is what is it that, what does it take to be a successful entrepreneur? So one of the questions in there says, is it for everyone? No, because like being an entrepreneur isn't, doesn't make you the happiest person in the room. You might be the richest person in the room. It doesn't make you the happiest person in the room. I know a lot of people that are very, very, very successful businessmen, but are they the most successful people in life? No, they don't spend much time with the kids. They don't spend much time with the wife or the husband. They don't have the memories and the experiences and travel the world and see the different cultures. Their health's deteriorated. They don't go to the gym. Like, are they really the most successful people? Like, how you deem success? So is entrepreneurship for everyone? No. In fact, I would put a lot of people off from trying to be an entrepreneur because it's, it at times can be very lonely as well. It's not all rainbows and sunshines or sunshines and rainbows. You know what I mean? It is this, this times it can get deep and it can get dark and it can be like, is this worth the journey of what I am following? So it's definitely not for everyone. In my opinion, and this is just a personal opinion, the people that seem to do the best are not the ones that are what I would say penny pinching. 
It's the ones that are trying to offer value and try to deliver more value to their business partner than what they think they're getting back. And over a longer stretch of a period, when you try to give and not take, you get so much more in return. You, when you try to give to someone that is probably at a higher level than where you are and you don't even realize this and you're not doing it just because you're trying to get something back from them, you get so much more back from these people. And and I just naturally have, um, I like to share and have a good time. And I just feel that that's probably been one of my main attributes that I've had that I've helped certain people without knowing who they are. And they've gone above and beyond them to take me up onto another level and take me up onto another level and take me on up onto another level. And they've gone way above and beyond what I could ever have asked anybody ever to do. And they did it because they like, I'd go to the bar and buy them a drink. And I'm not saying it was just that, but there was like elements of like, you went out yeah. for a meal and they paid for the meal. And it was like, it's just something so little. And they were like, I remembered that. So this is why I've done this. And like the, sometimes the people, they'll, they'll just test certain people. Like it may be even the bar, like, Oh, do you want a drink? And like, and if they're not willing to buy you a drink back, you kind of go, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's that type of person. And the people that give seem to get so much back in return. So if you're not naturally a giver, like just try and start working on stuff like that, because in my opinion, the people that give get a lot more back. And that, and that's probably one of the main attributes that I can give to people. Like, Kaz is going out now, like, with, uh, back on the thing, and giving a lot of valuable information out. He will get so much in return for the value he's delivering yeah. to people. People will want to partner with him. People will see him as being the don of SEO. Like, because, and he's just got to keep giving and not, not trying to charge people for certain information, yeah. just trying to elevate others. And as they elevate, and they earn more, they'll repay you in in rate of knots that you could never have even thought of. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one of the first times, well, I think it was the first time I met you actually, was back at Search Birmingham. We, we were in a mastermind group together. And I think it kind of struck me that, you know, you, you had all this knowledge and I kind of sat there thinking, well, what is James getting from this? He's giving, 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 but doesn't see, you know, obviously there were discussions going on. You might have picked up little nuggets here and there, but... What is it that you get from that other than the idea of just giving back? So from, from that, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on your podcast, I got you from it. Like I got you to realize who I am. I got you to realize that I am relatively knowledgeable. I got you to realize that um, I do give a lot of information out. I do feel at some point in the next few years, we will cross paths. Mm -hmm. uh, and potentially even do something together. So like the, and I, I didn't know that prior to the, the mastermind, but like out of the group, I, I thought that you presented yourself amazingly. I thought what you did was I was very intrigued and interested in it, that sometimes you don't see your own successes properly anyway. Like you just talk about it going, oh, that's just common knowledge. This is what our <laughs> yeah. team knows and everything like that. So sometimes I'm sat there with, oh my God, that's a bit like Jamie. I was in, I went like, Oh my God, that's amazing what you're doing and stuff like that. And I genuinely mean it. Like, cause I still see myself as being this person from when I was back at school of just being, yeah. I didn't have money back then. So when I see somebody else doing well, I legitimately 
like, and some people, some entrepreneurs don't feel this way, but I legit, from my core, love hearing a success story. And some people get seem to get jealous. And I'm like, how can you get jealous about someone that's worked hard and done really well? I'm like high-fiving him, way, that's great, and stuff like that. But I get a lot, I get a lot more from the masterminds than what you think. And it's not the knowledge of, oh, this is an SEO hack that works really well, because I've got a testing team for, for that. If someone gives me a bit of knowledge, I can go and give it to the testing team to try out. It's not really the SEO knowledge, it's the networking. And you'll be surprised of where that leads you. And I think, like, I'm not saying it, I think I'm thrown out there now in the, in the, in the world. We'll cross paths and we'll end up doing something. There'll be something that you're, you come up with an idea and you might go, do you know what? I think if I needed to choose a partner of, in doing this, I think James is the person that could help me get to where I need that to get to. And at some point, you'll drop me a message in the next two or three years and say, what about this? And it might be something that just goes light bulb moment and go, wow, that's an amazing idea. It might not. And then it might might have been a wasted day in Birmingham. But it's never a wasted day because there's loads of other things going on and different people that you meet. So it's not just from that half a day or full day there of like what you're doing and what knowledge do you have and like what do you do for your link building strategy? How many links do you build a month? And this because like what's your keyword density of content? You're like, oh shut up. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not that, it's long term. Like what what do you get from this podcast? Like what 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 could I get from this podcast? Someone might watch this podcast and go, I really like that person and it could get me a ridiculous or one of my one of my staff, a ridiculously big client that say, I want you to do rank and rent for my electrician's business or roofing business. And yeah. they might be one of the best UK companies that there is that just need some inquiries. Do you know what I mean? You just, you just never know where things lead to. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, in, in terms of making those connections is, is key. <clears throat> I'm a massive advocate of, of saying to people, just get out there, network, build relationships because you said it yourself, you know, being an entrepreneur can be a very, very lonely existence. Yeah. You know, I've had this beautiful studio built, but at the end of the day, it's just me sitting in here and yeah. working away and it can be very, very lonely. So for me, yeah. And it's the same thing. You just pick up all these little relationships and yeah, the tips are great, but actually, yeah, there's always going to come a time where, where that can be beneficial for both, both sides as well. Uh, yeah. Okay. So one of the things actually you did talk about, I think you were talking about it in Birmingham was the idea of introverts and extroverts. And I know in terms of SEO and probably the online space as a whole, it's probably known as being more of an introverted space. Do you yeah. think that, I mean, first of all, I mean, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but is, is being an entrepreneur better suited to one or the other? Or do you think it, it's, it doesn't matter because like, both have the benefits? It really doesn't matter. Um, but what I would say is you've got to sit down and look at yourself in the mirror and look at who you are at your core and what your weaknesses are. And then try to, if you want to be the top of the pile and be the boss and you've got all the staff, then you've got to employ people. Or if you want to do like a flat line kind of system and have business partners, then you've got to try to find a business partner that can complement your weaknesses. So they've got to be tried to be good at what they do. If I'm, and I'm I'm sure you know, I'm an extrovert, right? But a majority of people in the SEO industry are introverts. Well, that works amazing for me because 
I don't want two extroverts. I don't want a, an A and an A kind of clashing or a plus and a plus clashing. Sometimes it's better for an extrovert to work with an introvert. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's sometimes good for someone that's amazing at content to get someone who's good at links to partner if you want to do SEO. Like, so you've got to try to find people that that your weaknesses are to then elevate your weaknesses. So together you're kind of growing together and you both complement each other is probably the best answer I can give to that. Um, I know a lot of very, very, very successful introverts. Majority of the introverts that are successful are more successful in like affiliate or display mm -hmm. ads because they're not having to speak to clients. Yeah, uh, They don't like speaking to clients. I've got a sales team, so I've got a sales team full of extroverts and I've got a lot of my best SEOs are introverts. So like I'd say to be an SEO, you're probably better as being, I'm not saying better being an introvert, but you seem to be more recluse and seem to be more, you're, you're happy with your own surroundings to crack on with work, where an extrovert doesn't shut up in the office. And I'm like, just get on with your work, for goodness sake. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, but, but they're good at sales and stuff. So you try to put people of who's good in what position, but you, yeah, you can, you can be both in a nutshell and both and be very, very, very successful. Yeah, agree with that. Uh, okay, so starting to get towards the end of this podcast, I want to just delve into a couple more things. Really, where, where's the end game for you? Or do you even see an end game? You know, seemingly managed very, very, very successful, pretty much has it all. What, what, where, where's it going? So if I'm being 100% honest with you, I'm going to get quite um, dark here and deep. Um, I've had a few good friends that had an end goal in mind. Um, I'm not going to name names, but one, one of them put a figure of 50 million pound as being the end goal. And he sold up one of his, he actually sold two businesses and he got to 53 million, right? And this friend was, he had two amazing kids, an amazing wife. He was a good footballer. He had a lot of friends around him, me and many, many, many others. He had a good family around him. He he was someone that I kind of looked at and was like, wow, like you, you have it all. You have everything. And when he hit his goal, like in the top of the mountain, this is where I want to get to. I've never seen a person deteriorate as much within 12 months in my life and then end up killing himself. Now that is getting very deep, right? And this guy had everything, everything. So, and, I, and I've seen it not happen once. I've seen it happen a few times. Now, luckily, one or two others that I've seen it happen to, who might, it doesn't matter what the figure is, whether it's 50 million, 30 million, 20 million, 5 million, whatever, a million, whatever it is, the figure doesn't matter, right? But the people who seem to set themselves a goal, when they hit that goal, or every single person that I see that has hit, hit the goal, tell me, I've just got this feeling of emptiness. I thought that, like, someone go, someone's goal could be to go and buy a Ferrari. They buy the Ferrari, they're happy for a week, two weeks, and then they're actually again getting stressed about where can they park it, that it's getting keyed, that, oh, my God, I've just scuffed my alloys. And they're like, actually, it just adds loads of extra, like, stress in my life. I don't want it anymore. And that was something that I really, really, really wanted. So, so... In answer to it is I don't have an end goal. My end goal is today to be happy. Today, that if one of my friends pick up the phone to me and need some help, that I try and help him. If one of my if some of my family 
need any of my help, I'll try and help them. But just enjoy today. Not not think about tomorrow. Not think about where I'm going to be next week or next month or next year or that hopefully I can get to 200 million or 500 million or whatever the that you think is a, is a value that's going to give you happiness. It's not like no value is going to give you happiness. Happiness is what goes on today and what happened yeah. yesterday. Like tomorrow's a different day. And just just actually be proud that when you wake up, if you've got a roof over your head and you can turn a tap on and clean water comes out the tap, that actually you appreciate that you've got clean water coming out of a tap and you've got a roof over your head because there's a lot of people out there that don't have a house and they've got to walk a mile a day to go and get clean water. So when you have those kind of expectations when you wake up every morning and you're proud that you've got clean water and you've got a roof over your head, you're not then having this, you're going out for a steak and I've had better steaks. Like stop being so ungrateful. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the, 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 the answer, the, the short answer is I don't have an end goal. Uh, my end goal is just try to be as happy as I can today than what I was yesterday. And hopefully tomorrow I'm as happy as what I am today. I think that's a really healthy answer to give. I really do. And I think it's something that so much of us could do more of is to just practice that gratitude. I know my wife's always talking about doing a gratitude journal and she finds it really helpful. Um, and also how much we enjoy the day-to-day process of what we do. I think yeah. a lot of us underestimate that. So I, I think I, I definitely do. If I think back to maybe 10 years ago, when I, I wasn't working on my own project, <clears throat> my day-to-day process was nowhere near as, as as fulfilling and gratifying. And yet I'll still have days now where I'll go, oh God, that was a crap day. And, yeah. you know, but really if I compare it to my best day 10 years ago, it, it's probably an amazing day. So you know, what, yeah, though, you know what though, Jason, mate? So a couple of bits on that. The crap day sometimes Embrace them. And it sounds daft this, right? Because the crap days make the good days better, right? So that's what you've got to always realise. The crap days make the good days better. It's a great saying because if you just have good days, your good days become average days and you expect a good day. And that delta from being a good day to a great day, if if every day is a good day and you have an average day, actually the expectation there, the delta is unhappiness. So then it all comes down to expectations. So sometimes the crap days are good, right? Because like you said, you appreciate them. If you have a, a little jump on a ranking, you're like, yeah, you can celebrate it and have a good yeah, time. Yeah, I think I'm like you as well. Like, I, I thrive off it really. You know, like at the moment for me personally with my portfolio of sites, we're way down on where we were <clears throat> six months ago. You know, people talk about helpful content updates and things like that, or just algorithmic changes in the online world. But I was actually thinking about this a couple of days ago and I almost tweeted it. I actually almost thrive off it. I almost prefer these times because probably for that reason that you just said there, that, you know, you know that you're going to get through it, you know, you're going to be better the other side of it. And, and then it does make those days all, all the better. <clears throat> no, I, I, I agree. Is it, is it true that in your offices you, you like do high fives or you ring a bell or something when someone fails at something? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I love that. Like, I, it's like, if, if, I kind of say to them, how many times have you failed today? And like, if they've not failed today, I kind of call them a failure for not failing today. So you've got to push the boundaries to fail. And every time you fail, it's like, yay, high five. And we're like embracing people to fail because it's only then you learn what the boundaries are. So if you don't know what the boundaries are, how do you know how far you can push something? So, but if I don't from the top down kind of say to them, we've got to embrace it, people are scared of thinking, 
oh, I don't really want to do that because I might fail. No, do it. I want you to fail. Tell me how far you can push it. Now, I don't want, I don't do it on all the money sites, obviously, but like on the main money sites, but on all these others, yeah, of course we do. Like, see what you can do, see what you can get away with. Because if you can get away with doing those entities five more times on the page, by having them five more times on the page is better than only having them once on the page. So like, it's still the core algorithm is still page rank and words on the page. So if you can get them more time, it's just you don't want to over-optimize it. And yeah. stuff. And it obviously it's advanced a lot more than just words on a page. But like, you've got your semantic triples and stuff, but we're probably going to get, because that's a complete different topic of conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we could this could be like a five-hour podcast. I, yeah. I've, I've got a bunch of questions. I'm trying to now pick out, cherry-pick the best ones because, ask, you know, I, mean, I could literally day, like, talk all day. Ask me what you want. Ask me what you want. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we are coming towards the end. So I've probably got one or two more questions that I want to ask you. Uh, yeah. and this one really is again, for people listening that are, are thinking about, you know, starting a new project online or just, just moving into this. If you were to start again from scratch with, with, with the knowledge that you've got now, but not yeah. the connections and not the finances. So you've got the knowledge, but you've not got the connections and you've not got the finances. What yeah. would you do and why? So what I'd do is I would go and work in an SEO agency because I've got the knowledge. So I know very, very, very quickly that there's already clients there that that SEO agency have got that I could then quickly turn around and, and start to improve their sites very, very, very quickly, giving them the best bang for their book, which then I'm hoping that the owner of the business then would turn around because I've no money. So I can't go say, oh, I'm going to go and build my own website because I've not even got this six pounds to buy the domain. Do you know what I mean? Or host it or anything. So I'd go and work, I'd go and um, leverage my skills or what I'm good at. I'd then try to start speaking. Hopefully I find the right company where I feel that the CEO of the SEO agency has got some sort of drive and improvement to say, can I bolt on extras to this client That's to see whether this client would do it? And if the client after, I think after several conversations with him, he'd start to say, think that like, right, he knows what he's on about. And then I could then start to bolt on doing if I grow this, could you pay that little bit more? Hopefully I'd get bits of bonuses. I'd say every penny I can to then start building sites out um, and doing some sort of like display ads for like informational terms. With AI now, um, it's, a, it's very, very easy to scale writing good quality content with the right prompts. I, I, I can't stress to you enough, you have to do the right prompts. If you don't know how to do the prompts, you can't really use AI content because it's just gobbledygook. It's just like... Gen it's basically almost duplicated content, but with the right prompts, you can write very good content, even using Bard or ChatGPT. Um, I'm an investor in um, auto blogging. I don't know if anyone sees it, but like the growth that Julian Goldie and Kazra and all these are having. Yeah, just I love that tool. It's just, it's crazy. So you can scale out um, like thousands of um, pages very quickly. Once I've got the money and I'm earning the money, I just keep throwing it in, building out the sites, getting auto blogging to get me lots of like traffic coming through to the page. I'd then try and find different ways of monetizing them. And I just build my portfolio back up, but I'd be working in the background to try and earn my keep so I can pay for the kids and pay for the wife and, and be earning, but then trying to reinvest as much as, as I can um, into scaling stuff out. I'd probably stay away at present from the affiliate marketing business. because I feel like there's a massive, Still to this day, with a helpful content update, I still feel it's a massive hit <coughs> on the amount of outbound links that sites have with affiliate links. 
Google are just combating and just not liking. So for now, I'd stay away from it. I'm not saying I'd always stay away from it. I try to get back into it. Or I try to mix informational posts. So let's say, let's go back to the carpet cleaning example, how to remove red wine from a carpet. I then might be able to internal link to, here's the best carpet cleaning, here's the best carpet cleaners. And then you might be able to sell affiliate kind of products, even without your ranking for best carpet cleaners. It's because your informational terms are, are kind of linking through to it or you can sell detergents and certain products that you can sell via affiliate, via internal link traffic. And I don't think people talk about enough about um, Bing rankings and internal mm. internal um, link like traffic that you can get from ranking your informational terms, which is also supplementary content to your money pages. So try and build those out. They're easier to rank for get videos and get images on there and stuff like that, which then obviously will help your main money pages rank. I think too many people try to start ranking for big terms without kind of going through the traffic avalanche, um, SEO avalanche kind of method where you're working through your traffic tiers, going after the easier ones to start with, and then you can move on to your um, affiliate kind of commission-based pages. I love the fact that you talked about reinvestment as well, because I think that's key. And <clears throat> clearly that's been a big driver in, in you being able to scale and build this business and this empire to what you have now is yeah. that, and you, you also talked about it with Kazra as well, obviously one of your partners who is, is very, very happy to reinvest a lot of his earnings into then growing and growing and growing. And that, and that's kind of how it works, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> that's, that's fantastic. James, last question then final question. Yeah. Uh, if you had to give just one tip to be successful online, what would it be? We've already touched upon it. So I'd say the networking side of things, because the net, mm. if you, if you're even to the point, right, if you can't get up and you can't afford to go to places, let's say like Chiang Mai or search Birmingham or go to these events, because you can't afford to get on a flight. Let's just say you can't afford to do, to go to the events and you don't have the time. You've got a full-time job, Right. Places like Twitter and YouTube, right? It don't cost you any money to be on there, right? So initially just to follow the right people and heart what they're doing and retweet what they're doing and like a few of the videos and comment on the videos saying, oh, I really like this. It get, it starts to get you in a, a an online relationship. Now, don't get me wrong, face-to-face -face relationships 10 times better than an online relationship, but it starts to get you to do things. Let's say I've got to create a thumbnail. Go and comment on my thumbnail if you don't like it and you think you can make it better. And if, you, if you're a graphic designer, go and make me the thumbnail and say, yeah. I've re I've just made you this thumbnail. Don't start saying, I can generate thumbnails at $20 each mm -hmm. and I don't know how good you are. I'm just going to go delete. Like if I get it 50 times a day. Or I can create a YouTube short so much better than the way that they're being made now. No examples or not done one. The, the videos are there. Go and make me one and show it me of what you've done and uploaded it. And, and if I think it's better, I might go, wow, I've got loads of work for you. I really like that. Go, if you do go and you have got someone and you can go to the events and you do want to speak to one of the people that you want to speak to, let's say it's Kazra, go and buy him a drink at the bar. Don't just come over and try and leverage his time. Give and you'll get back, right? Go, go and do nice things online. Go and reshare and go, oh, my God, I'm, I love Julian Goldie's videos and share it on your Twitter and tag him in. And he'll rem he remembers it and he remembers who you are. He might even click on your website and start looking at what you do. And he might even say, 
oh, I can promote your product or service or your hosting or whatever it is that you're doing. Just go and be more active. Go and go and network it. Like, like I said, it might be online, but roll up your sleeves and work hard because it's not going to be presented to you going, oh, I just want to be like it, but you don't want to put the hours or the work in. It's not easy. Entrepreneurship can be lonely if you let it be lonely. But if you don't and you go out and you network, then there's a lot of other people in the same boat as you that are on their upward trajectory of where they want to be. And you can do, you can go on the journey with everybody else and enjoy the ride. James, I really bigged you up at the start of this podcast and I'm glad I did because you delivered. I think there's so much knowledge that you've shared there today and you've been very generous with your time. You've certainly given us a lot today. So thank you so much for that. If people want to find out more about you and, and find you, where, where can they do that? So uh, I've got jamesdooley.com. So on there, it's just got a few bits of what I do. And then it's got links to all of my social media. So I'm on like James underscore Dooley on Twitter. If you just search basically James Dooley in uh, Google, you'll find like YouTube and stuff like that. I'm quite a bit more active at present on, I'd say mainly Twitter and YouTube are the two main ones for and maybe a little bit of LinkedIn are the ones that I'm I'm doing it for work stuff. For Facebook, I probably won't add you all, except, you know, it's mainly more for family and stuff like that, and Instagram's a little bit more family, but um, Twitter and YouTube and LinkedIn, probably the main ones. We'll make sure all those links are down in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on, James. It's always a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll speak to you again soon. It was a pleasure, Jason.